This week, we and about half of the civilized world, it seems, return to the ruins of the Overlook Hotel in Sidewinder, Colorado, to gush all over Mike Flanagan's interpretation of Dr. Sleep, now playing on about 200 screens near you. If you're here, you've probably already been there, like in the movie theater, so strap in for a spoilerific discussion of the one and only sequel to The Shining in book and movie form. Right here in the snowy wreckage of the dark multiverse of Stephen King, a proud member of the Podbelly Network. More on that later, but in the meanwhile, listen to this. There we go. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> now you I can gave my beer, beer back. <laughs> I don't have anything to clink with because I'm drinking Starbucks coffee. This episode brought to you by Starbucks. Yeah, right. They, Wouldn't you know, that be great? They should do podcasts. They really should. They really should because, like, Everybody that does a, I think it's a law that someone in podcasts has to be drinking Starbucks at some point. It's true. The best mediocre coffee in America. Yeah, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink what? caffeine. Yeah, I that's, don't drink caffeine. So that's I a, don't. there's some kind of law against that. Yeah, does Mormons? I don't know. It's another religious that, thing. I've actually had people ask me that. Um, like, are you a Seventh Day Evangelist or yeah, Seventh Day Adventist? Yeah, because uh, Adventist. you don't drink coffee. Yeah, and they're, and then they're like, we're a Mormon or something. I just start laughing. I'm like, do I talk or act like a fucking Mormon? <laughs> yeah, a fucking like, Mormon. Yeah. I think kind of that right there. I think that kind of. I was at a, a coffee house. We have a little Sunday thing every uh, Sunday. A bunch of friends of mine, and it was. Freezing cold by California standards. It was mm-hmm. in the low 50s. Right. That's, that's how bad it got. I love it. And I picked up the coffee and I realized I only started drinking coffee like when I was in college mm-hmm. when I had a job at right. a, in a department where they kept the offices bitch cold. I right. mean, all, you had to wear a sweater. <laughs> you kept a sweater in the office because no matter yeah. what. This was in Santa Barbara. Oh my so God. it's 80 it's degrees already... outside all the time. Yeah. It's beautiful. But in the office, it was freezing cold. So I just wanted something that would keep me warm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been drinking it now for literally 45 years, but caffeine doesn't affect me. Yeah. It doesn't keep me awake. It gives me anxiety immediately. I get a panic attack. As soon as I feel it hit my system, my heart starts beating fast and I start feeling panicky, edgy, and I don't like it. The only time I've ever drank coffee was when I had to do road trips. Yeah, I built up an immunity Mm -hmm. to it entirely. And I like it. I actually like the the taste of it. Right. And Starbucks is not great coffee, but it is coffee. Yeah, so. I love the smell of coffee. I think it's wonderful. But it's just, also great flavoring in food, baking, yeah. and things too. Oh, definitely. Like so, yeah, as but a rub some and folks things. just can't. Mm-hmm. Deal I just am too them. sensitive to caffeine. I can't I am, deal with it. <laughs> I'm insensitive to everything. So anyway, hi. Hi, Brad Munson. Hello, Cat Bentley Shake. Yes. How are you? I'm excellent. Good. And so am I. We are here in the dark multiverse of Stephen King. And we're at the headquarters in my bed. That's right, in your bed. (laughs) And we have recently seen Dr. Dr. Sleep. Sleep. And did want to oh, talk about it. There's even a commercial for it right, right now. now. <laughs> on, our, on our huge TV, there she is. Golly, that girl. So we were going to talk about it. We might as well reveal okay, at the beginning. so let me so, just say. Go ahead. As a person with an infinitely small bladder. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I um, usually can go two hours without peeing, but I could not. I think I went two or three times during this movie, which really sucked because... It was, was so good. Right at the and beginning, I, before it started, you went. I and went. It was apparently a few miles away, and you stopped for yeah. food. Yes. But by the time you got back, we were a good five minutes yeah, plus into the, the movie. Yeah, the line was so long, and we had press passes, and still, they wouldn't let me in the gold line where they had like three people working three right. registers. I had to wait with yep. the one register person, and it was a long line, and... So I was like, I might as well get food while I'm here. <laughs> I have to wait. And then, and, and, and then about halfway through, you had to bolt again. Yep. So you missed it a couple of times. Yeah. And I'm disappointed. It's so good. I immediately wanted to watch it again. I was like, yeah. I wonder if I could get a good copy and pirate it. And I would never pirate. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, never do a thing never, like that. That's illegal. Yeah. I don't want to go to jail by the FBI. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, FBI. We love you. <laughs> anyway, I, I we will see it again. Absolutely, yeah. I rarely see movies a second time. I just don't. This it's just not so a thing. Good. And I tell people, I've seen Virtual of Oz 112 see, times. Me. I would know. I, yeah. I love watching the same movies over and over again. My comfort movies. Even a few years later, a few exceptions. I watch Time Bandits every year. Oh, um, right. I just love that movie. Well, and, and at Christmas others. time, there's always the Christmas movies that you have to watch over and over again, the good ones. No. No? Not really. Not Christmas Vacation? No. Chevy I've seen Chase? it probably, oh, I mean, it's man. been, I've seen it maybe two or three times Elf? in my whole life. None of those? No. There's oh. really almost nothing that I will sit down and watch again. Do you celebrate again. the holidays? 
Are you a are you a communist, Brad? I am a communist, <laughs> but I drink coffee. So, uh, so I'm only partly a communist. But anyway, we both uh, saw it. And what did you, of the parts you saw, the what part, did you think? I thought it was fucking amazing. I, I absolutely loved it. I The acting was spot on. The visual of things, the storyline, the way that Mike Flanagan directed it was just brilliant. I mean, everybody brought their A-game to this, and it was so absolutely. cool. And how... They mixed the Kubrick Shining and, you know, because Dr. Sleep, the book we just read, is mm-hmm. very different than how the movie would be because we're picking up from Stanley Kubrick Shining so that Shining fans of Kubrick are happy. And it follows along the lines mm-hmm. because at the end of the book, of The Shining, the Overlook burns down. And that's where Rose the Hat and this whole group of, you know, psychic vampires where they keep their trailers. It's like their home base where they because it's an evil place. They kind of like recharge their batteries while they're looking and seeking to find another child right. to they kind torture of, it and It seems kill. that in, as far as the book goes, they range out from there. They're, mm. they're essentially right. travelers, what, what they yeah. call in Britain travelers, which are badly, badly here in America called gypsies. But they're, these are bad versions of neither one. They're a traveling group of psychic vampires, right. basically, that have been around for hundreds maybe thousands of years even before i mean they came to this country and rebuilt in the book rose talks about her origins Mm -hmm. a long long time ago in ancient ireland yep and she still occasionally has an accent both in the book and the movie Mm -hmm. but they've been doing this the the knot the true knot the true knot Mm -hmm. has been a tribe that of of these psychic vampires that essentially eat the shining I mean, yeah. to all intents and purposes. They call it the steam, call it steam instead, mm-hmm. but it is the same thing. Yeah. And in the book, to real quickly, real quickly go through it, Danny is now an adult. Right. He has not dealt with his father's abuse and terror all that well, his nor with his own dad. shining. His mother died a few years earlier. He has been drinking just like his dad right. for years and years. To and kind of quiet the shine. Yeah, to quiet, it's, yeah. it's killing him. Dick Halloran... When he was a kid, they address this in, in Dr. Sleep, the book, he shows Danny how to put them in boxes. Is that what I missed in the beginning of the movie? Yes, he that's ta- one of the things you okay, missed. Okay, so the he band. takes the bad people that show up from The Shining that find Danny, and he teaches them how to put it in a mental lockbox and lock them up yep. so that he can actually function, but he still can't function, and that's why he does all these horrible things through his drinking, you know, takes the money from a single mom. And right, which we see very at the beginning. I remember when you came in, but we see that at the beginning. I didn't see that. We see him in the depths, and this is one of the differences. In the book, mm-hmm. he's already... A recovering alcoholic, right, has been for a few years. When he arrives in the town where he meets all of the other characters, yeah. where he meets Bill, Billy and everybody else, I really like all the characters. Yeah, in that, all that, in that little town, town where we see most of them. Mm-hmm. You know, the the a teeny town and and the hospice where he works yeah. and the rest. He's already reformed. He becomes a hospice worker because of his shine. He's mm-hmm. able to ease people into the next life, which is very cool. But he was essentially a born alcoholic. He mm-hmm. just, his dad was, and he was as well. Mm-hmm. But he'd already found Alcoholics Anonymous. Interestingly, in the book, the indication is that he says if his father had found AA, he may not have done the things he'd done. Right. In the movie, in the Kubrick movie, and I believe even in... King's version of the movie, mm-hmm. he already had found AA, yes. but he blew it. He yeah. didn't make his meetings. He didn't do his his well, radio. Once they get up there and the sidewinder closes, he has no way to get well, down. Well, he, he had the, the radio. Is, he had the radio. He could have talked to his, right. but he didn't. Okay, he blew I it off. About that. The indication in the, in the book is that he didn't at all. And I right. frankly, I don't remember in the original Shining because we've done a few that if there was any AA Al in was there. His, Al was his only person uh, that he would talk to who he would say, how are you? Still dry? And he's like, yeah, still dry. So they were kind of each other's AA But he was the worst kind of dry it. drunk. Right. He was did not have the support system. Right. And Danny as an adult, Dan says that if his, he believes that if Dad had found AA and t- stuck to it, mm. it, none of this horrible shit might have happened. Right. It has worked for him. For yeah. for Danny, so he's better, but he's mm-hmm. still tightly suppressing the shine. Yeah, except for this one little girl who is an even more powerful shine than he had as Abba, a boy, Abra, Abra who Stone. in the book is a little blonde cheerleader kind of looking yeah. girl. And um, I love that they used a person of color. Yeah, in this. yeah. They changed, in the movie wonderful. they changed that. It was a wonderful and idea. And the actress is such a she's and, so yeah. good. 
he becomes aware of her and becomes aware of the true not for the first time who are out looking for people with steam with the shining mm-hmm. to eat they're running low they one super powerful probably a danny level that they'd found years ago they're running out of they she find keeps the steaming canisters they and they all thermoses. get sips. Yeah, they're like really wonderful they get sips here and there and everybody thinks that there's a lot more canisters than there actually are or no, that they're full out of 20 not. they're down to three but only rose the hat knows that she doesn't even right. tell that to her number and, two and they found one moderately big time shine kid the baseball boy the baseball brad boy. i think is his name yeah, actually his name is brad horrible name uh, oh no but, but they're subsisting on him and little else at that point when they get a whiff of abra who right. in fact because abra decides to reach out mentally and just kind of look around because she realizes that but she also got a tick from the baseball boy's death right that was the thing that she attracted her that. attention she, yeah. she had a nightmare about it she felt it yeah. and so she wanted to find out more about the baseball boy and in doing so rose the hat senses her which even in the trailer it's when rose the hat is looking at the cold case in the mm-hmm. grocery store yep. in the market and abra sees her and shoves her as hard as she can to get her out of her mind yeah it's that's like when a, they actually yeah. switch mm-hmm. places but that's they first come so table. and essentially the rest of the book the, the majority of dr sleep mm-hmm. is about rose the hat and the true not stalking finding Abra coming for her, Danny reluctantly becoming her mentor and her protector to save her from Rose. Right. And Andy and Merriman ensues. (laughs) Merriman definitely ensues. Yeah. Interesting thing I thought about um, Rose the Hat is that once she senses Abra, she senses Abra when she's like six. And and I apparently people with the shine, they become their most powerful, their apex is around, you know, preteen or just pre-teen, into their yeah, teens. Pre-adolescence, yeah. And so she says, No, we're gonna wait. We're gonna let this little girl go stronger and yeah. we're gonna find her in the meantime and figure out where she is. And, and so, they and they found the baseball boy. And meanwhile it seems like other sources of the shine of the steam are disappearing. One theory in the book and more strongly in the movie is that a lot of the low-level shine mm-hmm. are being, whether it's video games or the internet right. or drugs, yeah. uh, you know, medication, not just recreational drugs, are suppressing low-level shine. So right. just, there isn't a whole lot of, it's getting slim pickings out there. You right. The really big ones mm-hmm. or nothing at all. So they have to go look for it. And her. they starve if they, you know, if they don't have they, this. If they, they don't have it, they will. They're all ancient. They, this is a, mm-hmm. essentially a fountain of youth thing for them. And they can live a very long time not forever but a very long mm-hmm. time if they have the steam without it they will literally start disappear doing what they, they will call cycle. cycling yeah and it's very cool because they're there one second and then you can see through their skin you can see their organs and their bones and then their body comes back into and it keeps going like that if the cycle keeps going to the point of death they disappear and yeah. their clothes just fall right where the, they lay the only thing that's keeping their body intact corporeal mm-hmm. is the shine itself right it's the steam yeah. and when there's no more steam there's no more body right and that's basically the whole story so the final confrontation back at the ruins in the book it's at a lodge which is basically a, a mobile home park it's a mobile home park uh, that they own at, yeah, right below the ruins of the overlook hotel right in sidewater colorado sidewinder colorado and they have the final confrontation there yeah now I'm going to agree with you. I think that that Flanagan did an incredible job as writer and as director to take the cold, beautiful imagery Mm -hmm. of of Stanley Kubrick's movie and combine it with the the warmth and dedication and kind of blood and guts, Mm -hmm. good and bad. I mean, the real meat of the original Shining and of Doctor Sleep, and somehow managed to stitch those two things together into a remarkable movie. And look, I've been looking at the um, box office, Mm -hmm. and it's not as good as they had hoped. Right. And part of that, real surprising, it opened the same week as a movie no one really thought was going to do very well called Midway. It's right. a big war movie. Yeah. And much to everybody's surprise, those two guys are duking it out for a box office. Right. So that hurt it a bit. I think it'll continue to do better. I it, think I mean, so it can as well. do well I, in weeks. And when it gets into streaming and DVD and everything else, it's going to be fine. I do it's not going to make as much as they'd hoped. It's not going to lose anything. Right. But I think a lot of Midway, people this is an to, incredibly good movie. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people, I mean, think about it. The Stanley Kubrick's The Shining came out, what, 78, oh, eight, 
80, a thousand years ago. A thousand years ago, yeah. Roughly, roughly right, maybe yeah. 500, something. About when I was born, sometime yeah, around there. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I think a lot of people, even though that, you know, is burned into their brains, they haven't seen it more recently. So if they see it more recently, then I think they're more likely to be like, oh, well, Dr. Sleep, let's see what this And Flanagan stuff in general, and here's from someone who does not rewatch mm-hmm. movies much, all the time, his his particular stuff, you really benefit benefit from a second view. Right. Uh, he did the the let's, I mean the hunting Hill, Hill House. House. Mm-hmm. It absolutely, as long as it is, absolutely so is good. worth a second and third viewing. Oh my god! It really Everything is. else he's done, whether it's Oculus or Gerald's Game, mm-hmm. all the way back to his very first movie, a little indie called Absentia, all of them are worth watching right. multiple times to get more and more out of it. And you can't say that about a whole lot of other no, directors, true. particularly directors who are working as rapidly as he is yeah. all the time. He's pounding stuff out lately. Yeah, yeah. And, he's, and he's got other stuff where he's being producer as well. He's got, got the uh, the James Wan route where he's not only doing his own stuff, but he's producing other people's uh, material in the near future. But he's just tremendously good he's an incredible job of yeah. stitching these two completely disparate versions together i i mean i really loved it and especially at the end you know spoiler alert um okay so yeah uh, we should probably say that we're we're assuming <laughs> that you not only have seen the original shining and read the book but that you've seen the flanagan movie right, right or at least read the book yeah. dr sleep you know yeah. it's, it's so good and at the end the way that he weaves together the kubrick shining to uh, you know, all the nods like when Abra's in the snowy maze. Yeah, you know, and which is um, not any place in the book. You know, he be in the shining. Uh, I'm sorry, the the hotel. The Overlook. The Overlook. I was like the Kubrick, the just, Stanley. Just the, look at the, our bag. Well, so. yeah, I know, but the uh, the Stanley Hotel is actually based just, on the yeah, Shining. Yeah, so yeah, I started sorry, getting yeah. confused with myself because I was just reading Stanley an Kubrick about Overlook that. Hotel. It's yeah. too confusing. <laughs> so the Overlook is still standing. And um, for Danny to go back there as an adult, and you have those PTSD flashbacks and things mm-hmm. like well, that. Well, I it was have really a, a theory uh, about all of that, but the changes that Flanagan makes mm-hmm. are substantial. There's yeah. no question about they it. They really are. But they are all done. Again, we talked about this with Muschietti and it as well. Mm-hmm. Both cases, these guys understand horror movies and horror themes yeah. and horror movie making really well, really mm-hmm. intimately. They know how to tell a good story. But they also understand Stephen King and what what his themes are, what his characters are, and what he's trying to accomplish. Right. So the changes that they make are not arbitrary, and they're not in violation of King's exactly. overall vision exactly. at all. So, as an example, Which, yeah, you're going to say that uh, Abra, they changed the race of Abra and, mm-hmm. and one of her two parents. Which was fine. Yeah. There's a, again, spoiler alert, there's a thread throughout the book that Abra, she calls him Uncle Dan from the beginning as an excuse for a young girl to be hanging around with an An older guy. He's worried about going to jail for being a pedophile or something. But in fact, turns out that they they are are related. related. Yeah. That Jack had an affair when he was teaching. Mm -hmm. One of the things that may have led him to his violent behavior that ultimately led elsewhere. And that in fact, they are. Yeah. She is in fact his niece. Exactly. And that that, makes sense because they're shine. Right, it's the so shine strong, that makes yeah, it's, so you know, shine. Gene- it's yeah. genetic. Yeah. But that thread is left entirely out of the movie. Right. For a good reason. You can only do so much in a two and a half hour movie, yeah. even a two and a half hour movie. That makes you it just, believable too. Yeah. And it would have been one more thing. Wouldn't have added anything Agreed. to the movie. It's a if it's anything, a wonderful it thread that runs through the book yeah. and kind of a nice thing at the end. Yeah. But it wouldn't have, have worked. Making Abra what she was mm-hmm. all on her own is perfectly yeah. fine. In the book, there are three characters that go first to Ohio and ultimately even farther to help Abra. Danny, Bill, and the doctor, whose name oh, right. has now escaped me. Yeah, and he doesn't go. Right. And we see him at the beginning. We see mm-hmm. his scene with the, the watch. Where, uh, one of the first times that Danny's reemergent shining really works is he helps this doctor who's runs the local AA and has been a major help mm-hmm. to him drying out or staying dry has lost a very expensive wristwatch and he helps him find it convinces him thereby that the shining is a real thing yeah. and he ends up going with them for the big kill of for the, the, the knot, the knot. Yeah. Uh, midway through the book he is not we see him for the first things and he disappears mm-hmm. so it's just him and Billy Yeah. and again it's a change 
but that was one more character to have to deal with, one more person. Right. It, I didn't feel it was a bad idea to leave him behind, no. so to speak. And he's never actually even mentioned again, even though he's clearly a, a part of it. A big character in the book. Well, and in fact, in the book, when Abra finally tells her parents that Danny is a real person, and it's a middle-aged guy, her, her dad <laughs> quite understandably goes apeshit. Yeah. And it's the doctor, it's the older doctor that who, the, who knows the him. Um, yeah, the, it's the pediatrician, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and who is the first one who backs him down and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. And it helps him Say, I know this, this guy, and this is actually yeah. a thing, and remember what she did with the spoons when she... Yeah. I, now, and Flanagan too. does a great job of collapsing that, as he does so many other things, by essentially just having Abra transmit to her father the experience of the baseball boy's right. death and the knot. Exactly. And so he's convinced like that. Exactly. So he didn't have to go through that whole long process and of again, explanation. In the book, and the it was great. Father. It yeah. was very realistic. That's exactly right. how a father would act. Right. And it would have been kind of cheap to just have her wave her hand and convince him and in Abra a Abra if you will, show as him. As <laughs> yeah. So again, but another change. And third, I'm sure you've found the other big one, of course, is the measles. Yes. Uh, in the book, one of the wonderful bits is that so the, good. the baseball boy has measles, has the measles, or at least he has active measles in him. Because we're in an killed. anti-vax uh, Maybe time, you know. Yeah. Or did we, yeah, might have been. I don't think they mentioned you know? anti-vax in the book, but maybe it was just that he had it in him but he wasn't you know after vaccination you still can carry the germ but he just hadn't fought it off yet or whatever we don't know right what we do know is that when they took the steam from him right they took the measles with they them too they get the fucking measles and they start cycling and they start dying one at a time one at a time they start dying off and ultimately oh that's which, and anarchy basically all hell breaks loose because people start you know questioning Rose the Hat like what yeah. you know, what do we do like she's supposed to know everything and they she's get just desperate. like they get very desperate yeah. and ultimately it is a an embodiment of the measles that invades Rose at the lodge in the last big confrontation mm-hmm. that causes her to cycle and die. Right. No measles any place in the movie. Right. Which and, is perfect. And again, complicated thing to explain, it's just bits at a mm-hmm. time, and and replacing that instead with a confrontation. Again, in the book, the hotel is not there. Right. It is rubble. This is an it's RV gone. place that they own the land to. Yeah, and there's does. nothing but wreckage. But it's the area, that spot, that informs yeah. them. And the final confrontation is at the lodge. It's not mm-hmm. at the ruins of the hotel. Right. Which are dead, uh, completely dead. In the movie, we go back in the hotel, even though it was blown up at the end of Kubrick, just as it was in the book, right. is there again. They enter it and had the final confrontation, and room after Kubrickian room, confront a vision of Danny's father. Oh my God. Okay, so it was really cool because they had a lot of actors that played the same. They just, you know, played them the same, and they or they used the characters mm-hmm. from back then. But they get a guy that looks just like Jack Nicholson. I mean, I really wish that I know he could By the way, have, do you know who that is? That actor no. is? Jack you, Nicholson's son? No, you saw Hill House, right? Yeah. Remember the young version of uh, of the dad? Yeah. Yeah? The guy that was E.T.? Oh, that my played, God, uh, yeah. Played Elliot? That was him. Oh, shit. Completely done up to look like uh, a close version of... And it wasn't an imitation. It was a hint. Yeah. Again, it was an interpretation of, right. of him. It was, now, really it was pretty clear that what... What Flanagan managed to negotiate with the Kubrick estate was that we can use the sets, but we can't use the actors. Right. So they couldn't even digitally make it look just like Shelley Duvall or just like oh, you Jack don't Nicholson. Think? Oh, okay. Pretty I didn't sure. Know that. Okay. Because you could have gone. The like, technology wow. being what it is today. Yeah. I don't know if you've read, but they're recently they're making a movie that James Dean is going to be in. Shut up. They're with the Dean's family's estate oh uh, my acceptance. God. He is going to be an actor in an upcoming movie because they can digitally reconstruct James That's Dean. Amazing. Freaky. Uh, but so it, it would have been be. highly possible, even for glimpses, to get a lot closer than they did. Right. I think they didn't have the rights, partly because, of course, Nicholson and Duval are still alive. Last yeah. time I checked, and uh, and the same and thing. A lot older. <laughs> they they could have uh, done differently with. They could have brought Scatman Crothers back from the dead digitally, right. And had him do the two or three scenes that Halloran, who's died already, yeah. appears in this. But instead, they got an excellent uh, actor to come in and do a terrific he really job. Did. Um, did, I know that you weren't happy with Scatman Carruthers' performance in The Shining. I, How did you I like I thought it was guys? a little two-step and fetch it. Right. I think this guy was much less so without, you know, I thought he was great. Right. I thought yeah, he was I great. Thought so too. The actor who played Halloran is uh, an actor named Carl Lumley. We've seen him in like TV shows all the way back to, you know, old cop shows. He's mm-hmm. always playing the put-upon lieutenant 
yeah. it just he's a terrific I've never seen him bald before right and uh, that's why at first I was looking and thinking well who is that guy and, oh it's Paul uh, Lumley yeah. it's like yeah and he did a terrific job he did with again reminiscence of the Scatman mm-hmm. role of the Halloran you imagine but without going all the way into I'm doing an imitation right. of him and he has I think all of three scenes but they're all wonderful yeah because Halloran died uh, Danny finally after you know getting sober and realizing that Abra exists he needs help so he tries to contact and look up Dick and Dick is deceased and so then he ends up in the book one of the women in the hospice that's passing over says after she stops breathing her body says wait and he's like what wait for what and Halloran shows up in the room and he says I I don't want to be here I don't it's want my last anything time. to do with this yeah. earth. Uh, this is the one and only time that I'm going to see you. you. You did all right, boy. You've grown up okay. And here's my advice about this, that, or the other. And you know, and it's uh, that was just such a cool scene. And a version of that scene does happen yeah. though. This time, it's the cat that leads him into the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that scene is almost word for word from the book. Yeah, it's really and good. It is beautifully done. And it goes to the be- oh, you spent at the very beginning of mm-hmm. the movie as well. Young Danny that we see after he and his mother have escaped. Yeah, are sitting. They're probably in Florida. It's not really clear. You know, they've That's they've made they their went. escape. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the book, that's and what it- young Danny is sitting on a park bench looking at the water, and Halloran's sitting with him and talks to him about how what he has to do next about right. the lockboxes and the rest. Then his mother comes rushing out to find him because she lost track of him, mm-hmm. panicked, and go and there's no Halloran there. So oh, clearly he is. I missed that while I was peeing. Right, he was. There are two things about you missed, but that's one. <laughs> so we get an establishment that you can see an embodiment of folks that have passed right. that will help, just as at the very end of the movie, Abra does. Right, and that's okay. Yeah, and there are two other things that you missed in your in your early P. One of them <laughs> is. When he's sitting there all by himself and you hear his mother calling for him, oh. you would swear it was Shelley Duvall. Really? The woman that plays the mom does a perfect Shelley Duvall imitation oh, of the voice. Awesome. And Danny, Danny? It's like, Danny, you keep thinking, Danny. that's who's going to rush across the street oh and find God, him in the park. And of amazing. course, it's not. It's another actress. Hi, Buddha. Hey, Boods. I'm a big dog. Our mascot decided to wake up and stare at us. <laughs> yeah, now he's going to lay out. That was enough. Now he's back down again. <laughs> I stretched. Uh, I'm good. But the other thing is an early scene that's very important at the end where, again, this period of time where we see Danny after they've escaped. Yeah. Sitting watching TV with his mom, but clearly very disturbed, very right. uncomfortable. He's barely spoken since they escaped. Oh, that's she right, says. right. And they're sitting on the couch watching TV. He suddenly gets up and he walks into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And as he's walking into the bathroom, we do a Kubrick-like follow yeah. down the hall. And we see the open door and in the bathroom, in the bathtub, in the bathroom, is the woman. Oh, it's the woman in the bathroom. Oh, woman. God. And Horns DeWitt keeps not, torturing Danny, too. Yeah, but not in this scene. What we oh, see okay. is just oh, see. The, the decaying woman. And he goes in and he closes the door. Oh, my God. We stay in the hall. There's this flash of light on the other side of the door oh. and a horrible scream. Next scene, we're back. Mom is watching TV. Uh-huh. Danny walks back out, perfectly fine, sits down with her. It was she a says, psychic scream. Are you okay? And he says, I'm good. <gasps> I love it. I'm okay. Oh, I can't wait so to watch he, this So that was again. when he put the moment in the box. Right. Right? So it all, because scene just before that is when he talked to Halloran mm-hmm. about the boxes. So that was, he trapped her. That was the end of her. And at the end, it was very cool. So when Abra right. is at the um, the Overlook, uh, you know, she's kind of popping all around there. Um, she she wasn't physically there in the book, but in the movie, she does go on the trip because the dad's like, okay, I trust you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um she ends up, how they get Rose the Hat and get a bunch of the these vampire people is they open up Danny's lockboxes and set these things free back mm-hmm. into the overlook and back towards these people. And in the book, it is so scary. The one lady, she's hiding and she's deaf, I think. Uh, and she's, but she's, a, or no, she just doesn't speak very often. Doesn't speak very often. Right. She's and so, badly damaged. Yeah, she rarely says anything. And she's got a gun and she's waiting to try to. She's know, the wait. last. She's Rose's last uh, mm-hmm. uh, line of defense, right. right? If everything else fails, After you come out of the shed and kill him. And kill yeah. him. Yeah. It looks like she's going to get away with it. Exactly. But then something is sloshing behind her. And then a hand goes on her shoulder and says, Great party, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I was just like, ah! I love it. No, it's great. <laughs> and also at the very end of the movie, uh-huh. when Abra is back with her parents, right. she says everything's fine, it's all done, I'm good now. Mm-hmm. But then she gets exactly the same look on her face, looks, we track her down the 
uh-huh. hallway to the bathroom. You see over her shoulder in the bathroom the decaying woman. Uh-huh. She goes in and she closes the door. And I thought that was so cool. I love circuitous things like yeah. that. You know, it's but, so perfect. It, I know that when you were doing it, you were saying to me, "What happened? What happened? Why did she know she's going to?" But if you'd seen the scene at the beginning, you knew that what she does next is exactly what Danny she's did, putting that bitch in the box. Putting the bitch in the box, and that's done. So it was another act. So the movie's so beautifully crafted. It really at is beginning and end, pulling together, and especially at the end when they start using so much more of the Kubrick nods and Kubrick well, settings and, and everything. Yeah. It's just it's it, as somebody who loves. Stanley Kubrick's Shining so so much and for Brad who hates it so so much um, I was very satisfied by the ending yes yes, and, and so was I too, I yeah. was oddly enough so was yeah. I and I, this is what I'm thinking too is that early on in the in the movie now when Rose turns the world and shows up in Abra's bedroom mm-hmm. uh, one turns wall the turn of it table. it's like a, almost um um, changing minds, like right, mental. like switching minds, but they're also right. they can basically be in the same place together, right? Physically, even though they're not physically in the same place, exactly. they can re set. And she's in her bedroom, but she's actually in probably the thought version of that bedroom mm-hmm. because she sees one wall that's nothing but filing cabinets. Right, that's clearly not Abra's bedroom. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's just that's her that's her mind version of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's that point or soon after that Rose herself says. Ah, this is your room. Yeah. Meaning your room in your, your head. head. I have this too, but you should see mine. It's a cathedral. Oh. So she actually mentions that it's a big thing, you know, that this right. is something they do. They construct this stuff. But it is physical in form because and she gets her hand trapped in there yes. and basically gets all the skin Abra, of her hand pulled off. Abra sets a trap for her, yeah. Rose. Yeah, yeah. And, and because but it's she's, a physical trap, yeah. not just nope. lights and it brain stuff. Totally, yeah, it, exactly. it actually rips the skin off her hand. Which and, scares the shit out of Rose yes. the hat so mm-hmm. bad because she's like, oh my God, this is going to affect my real life. Yeah, and flipping and flying all the way back in the theater where we were when she gets thrown all the way back and ends up back on the roof of the of the mobile home uh-huh. and they get knocked off onto the ground part of the theater broke into applause I love it because Yay. it was so such a great <laughs> sequence to see her tossed end over end clear yeah. across the fucking country back to right. thump and it was uh, one of the two times so that powerful. the crowd broke into applause yeah. but I think at the end when they go into the hotel mm-hmm. it's not really there that oh, I think, you think that's I all think in their minds? I think that's a construct, <gasps> just like the filing cabinets, and just like her cathedral, and just like Danny's. Because yeah. we see towards the beginning, too, when when we see the inside of the Overlook, uh-huh. pool tables rushing in, then we see the room with the boxes in it. Right. I don't know if you were in there. It kind of starts constructing itself. That's his room. That's in his head. Oh, my God. He's built the place, too. In his place, it's the Overlook with the boxes in it. Okay, and the, the cool thing about the boxes is that... King does that. He did it in Dreamcatcher. Mm-hmm. Um, when Jonesy is hiding from Mr. Gay, you know, Mr. Gray, the alien uh, yeah. that's trying to, he hides it up in his own mind. And there's just, you know, and he even jokes about it with, um, you know, the Beeve and everybody in the beginning of the book. Like, hey, every time I learn something new, I have to go and file it. And it shows him walking through this, you yeah. know, like huge circular and, library. And in fact, this is an actual up. memory I, I, device. Yeah. Folks that are trying to be trained to improve their memory mm-hmm. will talk about building rooms and building stuff. In Hannibal, in the Hannibal Lecter books, one of the books, I think it's Hannibal, he talks at length about the mansion that he's built because he can remember every single patient he ever had, every single kill he ever did, and he has them all in different rooms in his memory mansion. So this is a device that that extends beyond King. Yes, it, he's it two or three other times, but right. specifically in Dreamcatcher and here. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, because we know that damn hotel was blown up or burned was, to the ground yeah. in both versions. And, and I was thinking, well, maybe only part of it was burned down. Yeah, the, but all they, of it was, in, and it got seen, but almost untouched. And it goes it goes down to the basement and turns on the boiler. We oh, know right. the boiler fucking blew up. He, all the right. electricity, he turns it on. I think that when they enter that building, mm-hmm. they enter... The mind construct of all three of them. Did they do the thing where when Danny is, uh, or when Jack runs down to the boiler where the people that are, the hotel people are trying to help him that they actually become physically real and help mm-hmm. him try to turn the thing? Okay. I think I, all of that. I mean, I think, I believe that we're playing fast and loose with this, but I, right. hard to tell how much of the hotel was actually still there physically or in this and how much mind. it was a construct of the three of them working together, of Abra, 
Danny as an adult and Rose all building this thing because they thought if they could get her stuck in there, it would kill her. Uh She clearly thought if she could get them stuck in there, she could beat them. Yeah. Because she could have the axe or the croquet mallet. They went for the axe rather than the croquet mallet. That's right. And in those rooms where he was so terrified. So I think that whole thing was a mind construct. Oh my God, I can't wait to see it again. That's that's the brilliance of Flanagan. Like you said, with um, the Haunting of Hill House, seeing it over again. It's it's so good. Yeah, and again, it doesn't matter if mm-hmm. you're a a, a perfect, you know, a geek about this stuff, mm-hmm. and you know the book, and you know the original book, and you know the movies. Right. That doesn't that doesn't track. Yeah. But it doesn't matter one bit. No. And so when Abra says the one thing he did before he came is he went down and turned on the boiler. Mm-hmm. But basically, is he set a time bomb that if everybody has to die to kill Rose, they will. Right. Which is exactly what happens. And of course, in the book, Danny survives. Yeah. And in the movie. Danny dies. But he's there I with Abra for Oh, that's right. Yeah. I do remember now. Okay, sorry. Yeah, he does. And Oh my God. And again, I totally forgot about I think that. I, I always think about Cujo in this instance because in the book, the little boy, Danny? Is that his kid's name? Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, wait, in where? In Cujo. In Cujo. The little boy. Oh. Forgotten his name. I don't know. Um, he, in the book, he dies. Yes. In the movie, he lives. Right. And, and, and it's you're good satisfying both, both ways. ways. Yeah. In, it, the, in Dr. Sleep, Danny lives. Uh, the book and the movie, he dies. But he is kind of uh, Abra's guardian angel. Just as Halloran was for him. Right. And because we saw Halloran playing exactly mm-hmm. that same role so early on. So again, again there's so it. many wonderful turns. I forgot that, that he died that in that. Make... I was just like, I think I started crying, and then I just kind of yeah. You know. No, it was <laughs> it was real nice. Really, in does two he different... sacrifice himself? Well, in the book, in the movie, in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had to to he, get Rose the hat. To, well, to get the and to make sure that Abra got out. Got out of the house. To, she had to escape, and he Before would have loved to have gone with her. Again. But the the force of the house does get into him. That's when he almost attacks her. Oh, that's um, right. And he manages to yeah. push it off and let her escape, but mm-hmm. not push it off far enough for him to escape as well. And when he tries, they're on the stairs. All of the creatures he let oh loose come for him. Yeah. And they. That's right. They all go after him. They Ooh. eat him, but it doesn't matter because he set the boiler. So everything dies. I love it. uh, Now, clearly, they're still around because at least some of them, because Abra has to lock at least Mm -hmm. one of them up. The decaying woman. Some of them are very strong. Some of them are very strong. The worst kind of shining, right? (sighs) And um, I think in two ways. I I think it's a wonderful um, work. uh, Flanagan's version is a wonderful story all by itself. If you haven't read the book, if you've only seen the Kubrick movie, it doesn't matter. Works fine. As an adaptation of a difficult book, Mm -hmm. and particularly this incredible melding of two entirely different versions together, it couldn't have been better. I agree. I just loved loved it. it. King himself has said... "Who Go see it. Well, not only that, but he, he... is His dislike of the Kubrick movie is well known. (laughs) Yeah. But he has said... That uh, this, has, the... this has redeemed Kubrick's yes, movie exactly. for him, at least in part. Right. Said it. Uh, and I completely agree because I hate that movie and beginning I to end. Love it. Yes, but at this point, the the clear look you can't argue with the power of the images right. that Kubrick put together. You can't. Oh, so you, I, I think they were you know used for an evil purpose, and I would hate that. But I can't. <laughs> I mean, when they walked into those rooms, which you reminds me of this. for an evil purpose. He's calling Kubrick evil. Evil. I love The second, uh, as, an, as an adapter of other people's works, he was evil. I mean, he took the really excellent novella of Clockwork Orange and oh, made right. a hideously you bad. You said that you hated. Yeah. I, I, I thought I it was just, it was... The movie was disturbing enough. It was it, well, and it was, it wasn't fair. It wasn't right, and and it, you know, no one's ever done well. Partly because the estate of the author won't allow it to be made again. Oh, he hated it. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, because it didn't it do didn't, well. Right. And, and here too, I it think when he takes other people's works and and messes with them, he did it. He did his version without that respect mm-hmm. or understanding. Yeah, but like Flanagan has, like Machete has. Oh my God, they both do so. Yeah, they, really, they do really a phenomenal do. job, mm-hmm. and I think it's an illustration of. Yeah. But on the other hand, as much as I hate that movie, the the number of images from it, the, uh-huh. the ballroom, the uh, um, the hotel the, itself, the mm-hmm. snow outside, that freaking snow maze. That none of which yeah. are you in know the, from the book. Well, right. the, the, those rooms are in the book, but the images of right. them are entirely Kubrick's doing. They linger whether you like the damn movie or not. Did you, yeah, and, I agree. And Did you so, know that uh, the Stanley Hotel, 
the hotel where Stephen King was mm-hmm. having writer's block and drinking heavily. And so he went. He stayed the night there. There was the, the bathtub that looked just like the one he thought, how, has anyone, how many people have died in this bathtub? Yeah, which and led to the... And he was just so that's, so, that's where The Shining came from. The room, 217, is booked a year in advance. Mm-hmm. I can believe it. I can too. Point. And the key is turned around backwards. It's all the old school keys hanging up, and that room key is turned the, the opposite oh, way of the other ones. Yeah, I was reading up on all this stuff because I thought, well, fuck, man, hot damn, I want to go stay there. Ugh. And then I was like, hey, I'll just plan it for next year. <laughs> and when we went to this uh, this screening a couple of days the before, the fourth it... floor is the most haunted in that hotel. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it? So it's that. not the second floor, which oh, really? is two seventeen. Yeah, it's. Um, apparently... But of course, you know, none of them are haunted because there's no such thing as ghosts. You are full of shit, Brad. <laughs> Brad, get out. We will get ne- out, Brad. This never... podcast is over. We're no longer friends. We will never agree on this. <laughs> I think they're great stories, and they can play all sorts. I have just had don't experiences. I've seen things. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when we went to the screening, we got one little bit of swag, which was oh, yeah. keychains. We got the keychains yes, we got with to, the room number. We're going to figure out a way to, to get at least one of them out yeah. to listeners. But uh, you were more excited about that damn keychain oh, than you were about seeing the movie. I you really was. I was like, oh my God, totally the keychain. Oh my God. God. We'll put a picture up of it on all our social yeah, medias because it is... It's hilarious. I mean, it's unfortunately it's room two thirty seven, but that's for the movie. It says it's even on the opposite side, Doctor Sleep. So it's not two seventeen; yeah. it's two thirty seven. Which still, as I was reading different articles, everybody's like, God knows why Stanley Kubrick decided to change it. It's almost like he just wanted to piss King off. That's he wanted to. <laughs> He wanted to break the book. Yeah. He bought it so he could break it. Oh, and he yeah. did. He, he There is no ending to it. The, the hotel doesn't blow up. He doesn't give any kind of dramatic uh, uh, ending to the thing on purpose. He leave. basically yeah. said when he was making it, he, he didn't want to make a horror movie. He wanted to deconstruct the horror movie. And right. he did. He breaks it any number of ways by making mm. by making Jack crazy from the very beginning. Right, instead of making it a slow build leaving up at out the so much of the things is, and making arbitrary changes right. to the rest, which is why mm-hmm. King which is why King himself disliked it so much. Not mm-hmm. just that it was an unfaithful adaptation yeah. to his book, but it showed no respect for the source material. Did the hose uh, that's pop not up right. in Doctor Sleep the movie? You know, the hose that was coiled up that he thought was a snake as a no. little boy. No. I was just wondering because the article that I was reading about the Stanley Hotel, they no longer obviously have those hoses there, but what happened was is that Stephen King woke up in the middle of the night screaming from a nightmare where one of those things had choked his boy, his son. And he woke up screaming and was like, I've got a book. Like, <laughs> one, of, one of my no, factors, again, I think the, I'm guessing that the arrangement that Flanagan made with the Kubrick estate was we can use the designs, basically, the hotels and the imagery, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not much else. There's no actual clips, with one exception. There are no actual clips from the original There's movie. The- They're reconstructions, except for one. The blood. The blood. The, the blood elevator. In the elevators. Blood. Love yeah. it. It is that one so she made out of because it was basically impossible to reconstruct to make it that you would believe it. The but my favorite there, bit but there the same, is yeah. when Rose the Hat walks in the hall and mm-hmm. sees the elevator, and then it opens and the blood comes gushing out. Yeah. All she does is shrug and walk away. It yeah. doesn't even phase her at that like, point. Eh. She says, "Yep, I got it. Nightmare <laughs> Mansion. I'm, I'm there." I just thought it was because you expected something yeah. big. It's like, nope. And we should, in fact, mention. The actress Rebecca Ferguson, who plays mm-hmm. that one, is just so tremendously oh good. God. You I, can't I have a crush on her. She's on screen, and you really can't look away. Yeah. She's tremendous charisma. As does the young woman mm-hmm. who plays who plays Abra. They're mm-hmm. both tremendous. She has a scene in here where Danny exchanges brains with her, and right. she's in the back seat, and she has to talk like an adult. Ew, uh, that was so great. It was Ugh. freakish. It was super freakish. Everything about it sounded like a uh-huh. 35-year-old guy, 40-year-old guy. And it's so cool guy. to see that, because in the book, it's very cool, but mm-hmm. it, to see it playing out in the movie was just so much The smile on her face, with, and they didn't play with it. They didn't give him, give her his voice or anything no. else. That was that young girl acting like an Ewan adult, McGregor. Right, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it was just tremendously good. Yeah. And then with, with Rose, she's just good throughout, right up to her final death. I was just reading Rebecca Ferguson's, one of her next roles is um, anybody that knows Frank Herbert's Dune. It's being remade. 
the young man Chalmat, I've forgotten his first name, who is currently in the crown that mm-hmm. everyone's talking about, is playing Paul Maudib, the uh, young messiah. His mother, who is the most powerful witch in the Dune universe, Jessica, is being played by Rebecca mm-hmm. Ferguson. So she, once again, we're going to see her in a role of tremendous wickedness. power, wickedness. Well, she's not. She's actually good. Oh, is she's she? But, oh, okay. but so tremendous power, power and charisma. She's a queen. She's basically married right. to the king of this world who is the father of Paul right. Atreides. That's why, like we talked about with the remake of The Stand that's coming up, the miniseries, mm-hmm. they better fucking cast someone great to play Randall Flagg. Well, and they have. We'll see if he's going to... Who is can, it? It's, a, it's Pennywise's brother. Oh, that's right. The Scars yeah. Guard. I knew it was somebody that I knew. Guard. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're mixed yeah. mixed about this casting on this thing. I know. Uh, we'll but see. It's, it's a place where it could be really, really good or I mean, just as disappointing as the other stands. fantastic. In True Blood. Yeah, he I mean, was. He was uh, yeah, I look, couldn't take my eyes off of him, uh, and there was a lot of beautiful people uh, around him in the vampire group. And, and James Marsden, who's, who's going to be, uh, you know, he's yeah, perfectly capable of being really good. Yeah. But, you know, there's some other things. The, the, uh, who's directing? I don't really know who's doing well, no. it. It's seven, uh, seven or nine episodes, so probably so it could different, be different people gotcha. are doing it. But in terms of the casting, you know, we don't know who they put in as Trash Can Man it, mm. we, yet. Um, That's an important character. A, a lot of the others, again, some interesting things they've done. Whoopi Goldberg, however, as yeah, I'm not Mother Abigail, that. I'm not real yeah, I'm not good on. About it. Um, so we don't know. I mean, it could be excellent. Yeah. It could be just as unsatisfying. As the I other don't two think versions of the stand, anything can be as unsatisfying as the other versions of the stand. I mean, it's good, but there I, are bits and pieces of both that I really like. The first half is great, and then the second half just yeah. kind of gets too Jesusy for me, and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> the hand well, of God and all yeah, that. Yeah, and we'll see what they do. Again, you know, it's clear now that we've seen in both it and uh, Doctor Sleep where these really good directors have changed the ending and made it better for a movie right. than the books have yeah. been let's see what they do with the stand in the same way in the aftermath right yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. we'll be really interested to I see agree. but all in all this couldn't have been i loved better. it and i can't yeah. wait to see it again like seriously yeah. i really really want to go and see it again and i'm not somebody who likes to go to the movie theater because i don't have my animals i'm not laying in bed with all my comfiness i got my heating blanket on air conditioning full blast you know that kind of thing or the fireplace going i like to be at home but it's so worth just going i, I gotta see it again yeah well have to. maybe i'll go for a matinee yeah that's a good idea this is pretty much it for stephen king movies or tv shows for the year right i mean here we are now mid-november not real surprising mm-hmm. there's a lot going on next year the hbo miniseries of the outsider yep. begins in january i just downloaded that book on audible yeah and there are plenty of other things we know for it we know the stand which is read by will Patton. he's excellent the, yeah. the the reading is very good i've already listened to it i'm i'm there but that starts next year and there'll be plenty more mm-hmm. but i think we're done for the year it's been a tremendous year for stephen king material some I'm of it so really happy. good some of it only okay we're actually going to do in the week of new year's we're going to be doing a kind of retrospective of all of the king not just our shows king but all the, the king re uh, yeah was a recap mm-hmm. of Everything that's yeah. happened this year, which has been the great. resurgence of King, is mm-hmm. basically I mean, it's just year. amazing. I, and when I love we it. started this damn thing a year happy. and a half ago, yeah, we had no idea. No, we, we just, well, because there's going to be enough for us to do, right? And <laughs> n- now, with the fact is, we're having trouble keeping up. Yeah, we really with are. all the stuff that's <laughs> we going really on. Are. It's a lot of a lot of 19 hour audiobooks to listen to, and then movies to it's watch, true. and it's then all of that for an hour long podcast. <laughs> but given all that, you couldn't Not ask that for. We don't enjoy it. No, but you couldn't ask for a better capper. Yeah. Yeah. than Dr. Sleep. Oh it God, really so is a tremendous work. And if you guys haven't seen it at least once already, read the book. You'll get yeah. one great uh, experience it's so there. so fantastic. And it, impossible to believe that this guy is 72 years old and still writing at the top of his game. Yeah. Absolutely. This and The Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait both. to read The Outsider uh, for that reason. Yeah, they're all. And I know The, the Outsider <laughs> has a little supernatural stuff in it. Unlike the earlier books in that series that have the Mr. Mercedes series that have none mm-hmm. at all, they're straight thrillers, straight mystery thrillers. This one actually does have essentially some of the same characters, but now going up against a supernatural right. creature instead. Yeah, so you'll you'll like oh, the I'll outsider. Love it. Okay, you'll good. like it more than than yeah, the Mr. end of watch. Mister Mercedes, there was nothing supernatural about it. I liked them great, but yeah. I understand why you didn't. This, I think you'll 
I'm excited. You'll like it just fine. Uh, I don't think it's as brilliant as, as when is that going to be? Institute. They're just casting stuff now, or just the Outsider. Talk? Yeah. No, it's it's going to uh, oh, premiere January 11th. Oh, it's the. I mean, I'm sorry. It's the series, right? Yeah. It's okay. A, sorry. A ten part I think, series. What we don't know is when the stand on CBS That's is right. going to do. That's we know it'll be sometime next year. We mm-hmm. don't know when. And there are tons of other. And we've we'll got probably, Castle Rock in the meantime. There's for Ray too. Yeah, that's not, just, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Castle Rock is mm-hmm. the only King-ish thing left that isn't completely done. Mm-hmm. We'll be doing at least one more episode about that. You should be watching it every week. Yeah, it is incredibly oh. good. And it's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. We, we did one already, just covering the first two. There are now four in, and um, it'll end in early December, just about a month from now. Right. And it is just. I know, I'm loving it. So uh, fucking good. So good. And then next week, we'll be talking about the creep show yeah. back and forth. It is now officially over. You can see all the episodes on Shudder. There's only six episodes. Each one has two stories. Yep. So it's, you know, they're 45 minutes each. I mean, not each story, but the each Each episode is about 45, 50 minutes around, yeah. around that. They're all out now. You can see them all on yeah. Shudder. Mm-hmm. And, and the last one was um, Joe Hill. Yeah, the very first story they did was the only Stephen King story. Mm-hmm. And the very last story is his son Joe Hill's story, that was very cool. which was a nice little framing sequence. We'll be talking about that whole series and Joe's story next week. Right. That's our next one around for that and trying to keep up on all the other stuff that's going on. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, please uh, join us on Twitter yes. at, at Dark Multipod. I am now getting involved in social media, so I will... I'm forcing her. I've actually tied her to the bed. <laughs> yes. Gerald's game style to force yes. her to... Uh, He's like, listen, you need to do this. It's going to happen right now. And I'm like, all right. Man, so. yeah. <laughs> and, and likewise, our Instagram, we're going to yeah. be doing a lot more on that as more we go. More pictures of our our Buddha mascot, our Damn It Louise mascot, Citizen Dildo mascot. And what and we're doing Daenerys next mascot. and, and, and asking, of, yeah. trying, trying to build a community a bit more. <laughs> right. So we're, we're back on track for all that stuff. So we'll see you here next week right. for that. Meanwhile, please, if you haven't seen Dr. Sleep already, mm-hmm. do. If you haven't read it, do. If you have... Go see it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, also, if you have already subscribed to our podcast, please uh, give us a rate and review. We would really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, please. Let us know what you think. Yeah. And we'd love we're, to hear your we're feedback. Around and we're waiting to hear. So. That's right. Anyway, Kat, thanks. Thanks, Brad. And we'll do this again right soon. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> and that about wraps it up for Dr. Sleep. Next week, we'll tie up the last episode of the first season of Creepshow on Shudder with a look at Joe Hill's story by the waters of Lake Champlain, as well as plenty more about the eerie entirety of the whole Greg Nicotero series. Just like every week, our lovely and haunting theme music is slipped under the door to us by the incredible performer, musician, composer, violinist, artist, and creator Chrysanthi Tan. You can listen to much more of her music on her own website, that's chrysanthitan.com, or you can always visit her on Spotify or join her growing community of fans over on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash chrysanthitan. It's really terrific stuff. Remember, too, that we are proud members of the Podbelly Network, home of more than 20 pretty amazing podcasts of every size and shape. Drop on over to podbelly.com and see all that we've got to offer there, from Star Wars to geek culture to friendship to, well, horror. Like Hillbilly Horror Stories, a mostly paranormal show hosted by stand-up comedian Jerry Polly and his wife Tracy that touches on all things eerie, including the true stories behind your favorite horror movies, rock and roll in the occult, unsolved mystery, and even creepy true crime. So go on, go give a listen. It's freakish fun. You'll find that and a whole lot more at podbelly.com. That's podbelly with a D in the middle, as in D for damn, that's a good idea. Now, go watch The Last of Creep Show on Shudder, so we can talk about that next week. Catch up on your sleep now that it's getting dark in the middle of the damn afternoon. And return here next Monday for more muck and mayhem in the dark multiverse of Stephen King. Until then, try and keep it together in spite of everything. Be kind to yourself and everybody else, and please, please keep it unreal.